The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. I'm JT, along with Q Myers, and we wish Lincoln Kennedy well. He's a little bit under the weather, so Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders, will jump in. Q is back, and congratulations. You were in Bristol for the launch of your national radio show on ESPN Radio. Good yeah, to be back. Thank you, man. That was, it's, it's awesome. Uh, it was my first trip to Bristol, and just being able to check out the campus was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just a lot of fun. You know how this business yeah. is, right? So it's been a lot of fun, a, a great journey, and so glad to be back here on the Roundtable. Congratulations Thank to you. you. Ready to have you back. And we have breaking news today on the Aaron Rodgers torn Achilles. He's out for the year. And the Bills lost last night. And the Raiders are playing the Bills coming up this Sunday. This is a massive story. It's an unfortunate story for NFL fans, for Packer fans who love Aaron Rodgers, obviously the Jet fans who just got him. It's the shortest stint in NFL history. Four yeah, plays. Four plays. For one of the greatest players ever. Right. One of the greatest and most accomplished future Hall of Famers of all time. Q, I am still in shock. He was running for his life on the first three plays. People are wondering about the turf, the weather, all this. I just think he's an aging quarterback, and it was a fluke injury, and the Achilles is now done. You know, Tom Brady really spoiled us by being as old as he was and still playing at a high level and not really showing any kind of father time catching up to him. And, you know, I don't don't know what led to the injury to Aaron Rodgers, but it's so unfortunate, right? We spent all offseason talking about what he could do for the Jets and the fan base there was super excited. And then all of a sudden, four plays in to see it just gashed away like that is, is awful. And the Raiders have the Packers at home on Monday night football. There'll be no Aaron Rodgers in that game. Advantage Raiders, but that Jets defense is good. Really good. And the good. Buffalo yep. defense is just as good. So something to think about here is the Raiders over the next month play the Buffalo Bills and the Jets, and that's the biggest storyline. I will tell you this much. I never, ever, no one roots for injuries. Right. And everybody should be thinking of Aaron Rodgers today, even if you're not a fan of his, because it just shows you what we do. We're fans here behind the microphone. Right. And when you see a player and his career, most likely his career's over. Very I possible, don't see him yeah. rehabbing through an Achilles. It'd be like Kevin Durant at 40 right. tearing his Achilles. I hope he has an opportunity to come back. But for the Jet fans, and what happened at MetLife with the Giants having the worst loss in the history of the franchise and then Aaron Rodgers in less than 24 hours go down. The tri-state area of New York is sitting there today going, what just happened? It's just gut-wrenching. It it, it really is. And I was live on the radio while this was happening, right? So kind of narrating the game and just seeing how it all unfolded. And, you know, the Jets obviously win the game in overtime fashion, and so they're excited about that. But reality kicks in. They lost their quarterback. Right, They have a great defense, as you mentioned. Their run game is stellar, but they lost their quarterback. There's a Hall of Fame guy that we heard all offseason what he was going to do for that, that organization. I hate that for the fan base. I hate that for the team. But more importantly, like you mentioned, I hate it for the player. I hate it for us sports talk radio hosts that want right. to talk about Aaron Rodgers. For sure. It's a compelling topic. Yeah. One of the biggest stories we'll see all year. So the Raiders win in Denver, and now they've won seven in a row. It's just incredible what happened in that game. We got some video for those who are watching on YouTube, for those who are listening to the content here. We'll go over some of the plays. As Sean Payton comes out with an onside kick. Now, someone told me 
outside the Broncos organization that he wanted to do something in the first 10 minutes to wash away last year and get rid of the stink from last year. Right. And that was it. And I give him a lot of credit because remember the Saints in the Super Bowl that they won open with an onside kick, but it gave the Raiders great field position. And I thought Jimmy G on that, you know, fourth and one, throwing it to Devontae, some of the plays that he made on his opening drive as the quarterback of the Raiders was spectacular. It was really good because he took command of the team immediately. You saw that he owned the team and on that fourth and one play I don't know exactly what the design was to get that first it wasn't down. that one it wasn't that one but it worked and he kept the play alive he kept looking down the field and he looked for 17 because he realized how reliable he is and he got on the ball yeah we're looking at a Jacoby Myers touchdown he is a beast and you saw yeah. that you were at every practice yep. and you were at the joint workouts I saw that too the way he has the ability to get open quickly mm-hmm. and make plays was pretty fascinating there so he had two touchdowns Q right in his in this game that's the first time he's done that in over 60 games I was surprised by that. Well, I, I was surprised by that stat, but I wasn't surprised by the fact that he was so dominant in the game because the fact is that that's a, a, a number one wide receiver in his previous teams, right? And now he's a number two with the Raiders because of Devontae is obviously number one. So now that gives Jimmy G so many weapons and so many different options. Jacoby knows how to get open. And JT, I always reference that the conversation that we had with me, you, EA, and Jacoby uh, at the content yeah. day, right? And what did he tell EA? I just get open. EA said, okay, I'm a DB. How do you get open? He's like, I just get open. That's what Jacoby Myers does. does. And as we look more at Jimmy Garoppolo finding him and throwing underneath uh, Josh Jacobs with a really nice reception there. Josh didn't have a big game on the ground. You know, it just got, that's going to take a little bit of time, but a couple of big plays. And how about him blocking his and blocking up the big. blitz? We'll get to that later. Yeah, his blocking was really big. And he's going to get his legs under him. And he's going to be just fine. But it was good to see him out there. A big thing for me, too, was Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson had an amazing first half in the mm-hmm. game, and he was pinpoint accurate, and we're seeing Max Crosby get to him for a sack on this game. But for Russell Wilson, he threw two touchdowns, both beating Raider safeties yeah. and couldn't cover that much longer right. in the back of the end zone. And I'll bring that into our Bills coverage coming up because that's exactly what Josh Allen does. He yep. will keep a play alive, and you can't guard guys like Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs a little bit longer. So right. something the Raiders need to look out for. No, they're going to have to tighten it up and they're going to have to get after uh, the quarterback and get some more pressure out there because, like you said, the safeties aren't going to be able to hang up out there and the cornerbacks either. So uh, they've got to tighten that up. But I'll tell you what, from uh, adjustments from one half to the other, right, to have Russell Wilson be as dominant as he was in the first half to really be non-existent in the second half, that was nice adjustments by the Raiders. Either. Yeah, I thought Epps and both Merrig initially picked up the touchdown receiver, but mm-hmm. they couldn't hang with him long right. enough. And that's because Russell Wilson can extend the pocket, and that's what Josh Allen is able to do. But for the Raiders, it was a tale of two halves and the fact that they shut it down. How about we give Patrick Graham some love for the halftime adjustments? Denver only scored three points. I also said this, and a couple of our listeners said this to me. I thought Sean Payton was out coach. I don't know why he handed the ball off. They they had the ability to pass on the Raiders for most of the day yep. with Russell Wilson, a future Hall of Famer, and when they didn't do that, they gave the Raiders an opportunity to rest and set their defense again, too. So I think the Raiders and the coaching staff did a tremendous job in the win. I think so, too. And a lot of people call the radio station, as you know, and say, hey, I want to see halftime adjustments. I want to see this coaching staff make adjustments. I think they did that on Sunday and, again, gave the team an opportunity to go out there and make plays. 
to win that game, and ultimately they did. We're looking at the Jimmy Garoppolo interception in the red zone. Devontae was wide open, and Devontae has his hands up as yep. we pause it there. You got to go to Devontae right there. He's yep. open. He wants a high point ball, and Devontae's still waving his hands here. Yep. I don't know how Jimmy missed him. I'm very either. surprised by that, but Jimmy was flushed out of the pocket mm-hmm. and had to make a move outside the pocket. But I want to stop and say that that's a great moment for Devontae. You didn't see bad body language. Right. You didn't hear him on the sidelines, where's my ball, and all that on a day where Jacoby had two touchdowns and Devontae didn't. He was wide open there. That should have been a touchdown to Devontae Adams. Yeah, and Devontae was missed a couple times by Jimmy. And the thing about it is after the game, Devontae said, hey, Jimmy came to me and said, hey, I missed you. Yeah. I missed you. This is part of my learning process. I'll do better. And Devontae said, you can't get mad at a guy like that, right? If he comes to you and tells you that, hey, I missed you. That's my bad. I'll get you next time. That that at least knows that the, the process is there and they're growing. And so he was okay with it. Raiders down 16-10 to 10 with eight minutes to go in the game. And then this drive happens. And this is an incredible drive here. And what, what happens with Jimmy G? As Jimmy G, this catch by Hooper was Awesome. He threw it to a spot where Hooper can get. And this is encouraging to me because Michael Mayer didn't get going. We'll get to that as Hooper has that. They go right back to Jacoby on that slant route. And that could be a Hunter route as Hunter didn't get any targets. I see this same route for Hunter Renthrow coming up here, depending on the status of Jacoby going forward. No doubt. And that's the beauty of the the wide receiver room for the Raiders. They have so many options. They're so deep at that position that Jacoby could be the guy game one. It could be Hunter game two. Biggest tackle in the game, Trayvon Merrigan, third and eleven. If he doesn't With a make club that, on his hand. Yes, if he doesn't make that tackle, it's yep. a first down. Right. I think Denver has an opportunity to win with the field goal. Uh, Raiders get it back with five minutes and one of the best drives. Jacoby here gets hit. It's a violent hit. He went down 15 yards, tacked onto that play, and then on third and seven. The legs heard round the world, Q. Look <laughs> at this run by Jimmy G as he gets out and stays in bounds. Yep. Watch him pump his arms here. This is the signature moment yep. in the early career for Jimmy Garoppolo with the Raiders. Just showing that enthusiasm that he had after he picked it up and knew that he stayed in bounds and knew that that was game, set, match. I mean, that just lets you know that he was ready to go out there and win that game for the Silver and Black, and that's what he did. And I think he earned a lot of people's respect around the Raider Nation. Yeah, 107.9 quarterback rating, uh, the big rushing yards. Two touchdowns, 200 yards, 20 at 26. Look, I have no problem calling him a game manager. Right. For every every time we took a call in the offseason or talked to a fan or read a tweet, it was about what does Jimmy Garoppolo bring that Carr didn't bring. And I said, mm-hmm. look, if it's a wash, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he's just better in the red zone right. and he's better with his legs, Jimmy Garoppolo ran the game out with his legs. That was the first time I've seen that since Rich Gannon. Right. And Gannon did that a lot. Yeah. Gannon oh, yeah, was absolutely. an MVP, and Gannon was able to do that. So shout out to Rich Gannon there. But for Jimmy Garoppolo, my big takeaway, Q, is he won his first game. Mm-hmm. Jacoby had two touchdowns. Everybody, the ball was spread out a lot. But, wow, now that I know that Jimmy G on third and five can run right. on top of Josh Jacobs, on top of having two elite slot receivers and Hunter and Jacoby and then Devontae. Right. I mean, there's a lot of options here. My, my big thing is that the Raiders expected to win that game, right? They didn't They didn't just go in there and say, okay, we're going to try to win this game. They expected it, and their defense gave them an opportunity in the second half. And, you know, Masterson has the big penalty on, on roughing the, the punter that wasn't good. But what did the defense do? Held Denver to three points. If they allowed him to get in the end zone, it's a different game that we're talking about. And another stat that really stood out to me, JT, was the fact that the Raiders running out the clock with 5.08 left was the first time that they had done that, holding on to a one-score lead since 2000. 
Long time. 2,000. There's Raider fans listening to this that weren't even alive then. Well, I was there back then. and I'm you, I, I, <laughs> those, was, are, those are the great years of the Raiders. Rich Gannon days, like you uh, mentioned. From 98 to 2002 yeah. into 2003, the Raiders won a lot of games that way. Also, I think Ja'Korian Bennett was picked on a little bit. Yeah. He will be of course. in Buffalo, too. But I thought in the second half, the fact that they just left him out there mm-hmm. for all those snaps were really important to me. And how about Divine Diablo? Yeah. If he doesn't have the face mask on that play, that's another tackle for a loss. Played well. Divine Diablo played well, and yep. we needed to see that because Spillane had a big run stop. That Those two are going to be a work in progress here for the first few weeks, Q, but I think they got out of that game, and they could say they were a part of a defense that held the Denver Broncos to three points in the second half, and they beat a great quarterback in Russell Wilson. Diablo made such a great play down by the goal line by laying out and knocking a ball down, and that's something I saw him do consistently in training camp, right? And I kept saying, man, I just want him to get his hands on the ball and intercept it. But that, at that moment, was what they needed. They needed to knock that ball down again. It forced the, the Broncos to have to settle for a field goal. They scored a touchdown. We're talking about a different ballgame today. Yeah, Raiders got to clean up the penalties. As yep. you know, the Raiders are back east already in West Virginia ahead of the Buffalo game, and Buffalo lost on Monday Night Football in a very dramatic game as we opened up Raiders Roundtable. The breaking news on Aaron Rodgers, done for the year with an Achilles tear. But the Raiders have to look now at Buffalo. That's going to be an angry Buffalo team. Mm -hmm. We'll break down the game coming up next with the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz, as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. We're back on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union, Q Myers. And we bring in the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. And Jason, like Josh Jacobs, you are perfect in the Denver rivalry. Look at you. You have not <laughs> lost to Denver in the booth. What was the trip like? What an exciting moment for Raider fans who made that trip to Mile High. Well, I've had two very enjoyable trips to Empower Field at Mile High Stadium. We had the Devontae Adams walk-off overtime winner which started probably the craziest month of my life in broadcasting uh, because it was followed up with the Josh Jacobs 86-yard overtime winner and finished with the Chandler Jones stiff arm of Max Jones. So, uh, and, then, and then we end with this. I, look, I think the great thing about, and you introduced me to this, JT, I think you call them the ponies, right? You don't call them the Broncos anymore. You call them the ponies. I call them the donkeys. And, uh, the donkeys. <laughs> the donkeys. Time. That's donkeys. right. You call them the donkeys. They're That's the donkeys. right. Pony. Pony. Pony is too polite a term for you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but what's great? What's been great about this is like, you know, I, I thought Russell Wilson for three quarters or two and a half quarters was really impressive. And like that feeling of Sean Payton fixed him. Things are good. Their offense is moving the right. But yet you looked at the statistics. And you looked at the score and you're like, hey, the defense is actually playing pretty well. And like you felt like there were some really good plays happening. Divine Diablo, Nate Hobbs, even Jacorian Bennett. I know he got flagged for two pass interference and, you know, pro football focus didn't rate him very high. But he made some really good plays in the running game. And, and so you felt the defense had some stops, but it didn't look that way. Yet they hadn't scored that many points. And then you get to the third and fourth quarter and you get third down stops. You get a couple of plays. Jerry Tillery had a sack. And it sets up an opportunity for, for Jimmy G to score a touchdown to Jacoby Myers and then run out a five-minute clock. And they did both of those things. It was a very impressive fourth quarter for the Raiders. Well, speaking of Jimmy G, what did you think about his first performance under center as a Silver and Blacks quarterback? He was poised. I, I think that's without a doubt, right? And I know all the articles written post-game about what the locker room has said and what was talked about and 
um, how he won over the team by running out, running the ball to get the first down and how fired up they were for him. And he was bidding his own mistakes um, when they were, when they were on the sideline. You know, everybody talks so uh, glowingly about number 10 and I just, you, you felt right from the get go guys that he had a major command of this offense. You know, it wasn't like we had a ton of explosive plays. It wasn't like we were getting 30, 40 yard chunks, but they were getting big play. They were converting third downs. I think we were four or five in the second half on third down. You don't, you don't get better than that in the NFL. And when they had to get plays to win this football game, he did it every single time with the exception of the interception. And, and, you know, my, my other thought about that is all off season, we heard about Jimmy Garoppolo, how cool and calm he is after a mistake. And we saw that on Sunday, yeah. had the mistake, the defense gave him a chance to go down the field again. Now they needed a touchdown instead of a field goal. And what do they do? They, they do it. So I, I, I was very impressed by Jimmy Garoppolo's first game in the silver and black. Yeah, I think that's a really important topic, the body language. I'm a mm-hmm. big body language yeah. guy. And when you have a quarterback there who's not sitting by himself and a quarterback right. there who's getting up and getting his teammates going and a quarterback that's out there doing that, that is important because that was talked about, Q, after the game about right. the composure. They had a chance to lose that game. A lot of things had to go well for them to win. You got a kicker who misses an extra point and a field goal that would have won the game for Denver. A lot of things happened. There was an interception by Jimmy G. Calm and cool. The body language, I thought, was exceptional, Q, and Great. you didn't see him rattled at all. That's very important. No, it is. It's really important. And, you know, to see the team not panic when Masterson has the, the penalty, the roughing the, the punter, yeah. and, and then the defense to be able to hold the Broncos to only a field goal. How big was that, especially those adjustments the defense made in the second half, Jason? Oh, they were huge. I, I want to go back, JT, to what you just said, though, because I know we've talked about this a lot, that Will Lutz missed extra point. That ties the game. Yes, he missed a 55-yarder, and he's not great in his career from 50-plus anyway. He's he's good, but he's not like he's not like Daniel Carlson uh, accuracy-wise. But like, you know, if let's say he doesn't miss the extra point because most NFL kickers don't miss those, mm-hmm. Jimmy G still went down the field, and the game would have been tied 17-17, and they would have been playing for a game when he came. So we may still have won that game 2017 anyway. So so put that part aside. The the defense, you know. It's weird, and I don't know if you guys felt this watching it on TV uh, and listening to it on, on Raider Nation Radio. It's weird because it felt like the Broncos' offense was clicking and getting what they wanted and converting on third downs and just ticky-tack down the field and picking the defense apart. Yet at the end of the game, you look at statistics, and we had like seven or eight tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Um, we only give up 16 points. And not even 275 yards of offense. And so all the questions about Russell Wilson and their offense, again, are still there. I, I, I'm i not positive how I feel. I think the second half massive plays that they made to get off the field when they had to were major steps in the right direction. And the only difference between some of those times that we did that last year, but the offense didn't take advantage of it, and this time is that the offense did. You know, I, I go back to the Steelers game, guys, that we lost in Pittsburgh Christmas Eve last year. And the defense played really well. Raiders lose that game 13-10, but the defense forced a three and out with the Raiders up 10 to seven and an opportunity for the Raiders offense to get back on the field and close it out with a couple of first downs. The difference is the Raiders went three and out themselves Mm -hmm. and then the defense gave up the touchdown. This time the Raiders defense gets a three and out and Jimmy G closes out the game. So I just, the two worked well together and I think it allows the defense to be highlighted for what they did well. 
We're looking at a couple of the defensive stats here that jump out. It's first half, second half. Passing yards allowed, 41 in the second half, 125 by Wilson in the first. 13 points in the first half, three in the second half. A couple of other individual stats. Max Crosby of Vegas, five tackles, two quarterback hits, and a sack here. And I want to ask you about Nate Hobbs. 12 tackles, two for a loss here. Matt Millen said it on the broadcast with you, and he's unbelievable when, you know, you have a corner leading the team in tackles or safety. That normally isn't good. But I think it's good with Hobbs because I love the way Hobbs gets behind the line of scrimmage. When he guesses right, he can make a play like a linebacker. And I called for Hobbs to have a big year. The two guys that can flip this whole season, Jason, for the Raiders and make the defense elevate that it's not the new guys, per se. It's a guy yeah. like Hobbs who has been here and Merrick who has been here before. They have to yeah. elevate their game. Yeah. It's the trio of third-year guys, JT. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all made massive plays on Sunday. Hobbs obviously had a couple of tackles for loss. Divine Diablo, there was a lot written about in the offseason about him getting more on his shoulders and getting the green dot. And let's not forget, there were three or four plays where Divine Diablo was – in the uh, in the flat or getting the check down, and he did not allow the running back to get a yard, like two or three different times. Right. Those were big plays. He also had a blitz, uh, which got just – he steamrolled whoever the running back was. That was the play that Russell Wilson, I think, fumbled the football, and, and Diablo was on top of it too. It was called back because of illegal use of hands, but, like, mm-hmm. he played well. Yeah. And then your point about Trayvon Merrick, there were a couple of plays earlier that didn't look very good and looked like, okay, we got some issues there. He went into the locker room. I don't know if everyone saw or noticed, but he had a cast on his hand for the second half. And who made the play to stop the mm-hmm. Broncos to force the three and out to get the ball back with five minutes to go? Trayvon Merrick getting on top of Adam Troutman about three or four yards before the first down marker. So all three of those guys had moments where they stepped up big. And and those three are going to be huge as this year goes on. They you all- know, and, and I love the fact that you pointed out Merrick in that open field tackle. It was him and, and, and Troutman. That's it, right? So, I mean, he had That's to it. get him. That was it. That was it. He That's had it. to get, get him, him to the, the ground. ground. <laughs> right. But Ja'Cory Bennett, the rookie, he was able to do that as well. I mean, he got called for a couple yep. flags throughout the game, but he showed his willingness, Jason, to go in there and tackle it and not be afraid of the moment. Yeah, no, he's he's an impressive guy, guys. And I, and I don't know if it's by design that he is playing press coverage all the time. He's on top of the receivers. I don't know if maybe that's a little bit different next week with with guys who can be really explosive and Stephon Diggs and and uh, Gabe Davis and all those stuff with, with, with Buffalo and Josh Allen, his ability to extend the play. So I, I don't know how that changes or whatever it does. But you're right, guys. I mean, the, the ability for those two corners – uh, Hobbs and Bennett to come up, stick their nose in, and play in the run game, mm-hmm. uh, and also let passes go. For you know, that's it. You know, don't miss tackles, and they didn't really do that. That's that's impressive, and that's important. And again, the Raiders didn't have massive plays on offense. The the Broncos didn't have massive plays on offense. We'll see if that continues. But that was a massive problem last year, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of big explosive plays that this defense gave up, and at least for one week, that didn't happen. Jason Horowitz is the voice of the Raiders. He joins us on Raiders Roundtable. I want to talk about Spillane. You mentioned Diablo. Big game for him because I don't know how great he played, the pro football focus grade, but he was in a couple of spots where he was a torpedo and made a good tackle here. And 64 out of 64 snaps. Devine had 60 out of 64 total tackles for Devine was nine, seven for Robert Spillane, who had a tackle for a loss. He's really important. Mm -hmm. We're talking about three out of four games on the road against Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, 
Justin Herbert right. on the road. He has got to find a way to stop the run, Jason. So guys like Marcus yep. Peters, who we haven't got to yet, they didn't throw at him. How important was Spillane in the system? What did you see from calling the game? I, you know, mixed. I, I I thought there were mixed results for for Robert Spillane uh, mm-hmm. because there were some big plays that he made, like you talked about, where he was a torpedo, and he, there were plays against uh, Javante Williams where he got him down at the line and scrimmage and like just hard hits. There were also some plays that he missed some tackles and some runs went for about 13 or 14 yards. So, uh, look, Robert Spillane came in and the the talk about him in this offseason is that how well he plays in the run game, um, how smart he is helping the defense with communication and a, a sure tackler. And you saw that. Um, you also saw some some plays where, you know, he needs to get the guy down to the ground so it doesn't go for a big play. So I, I think there's room for improvement. I think he would even tell you, but he also showed the ability of why they brought him in. And, and so – those two guys, you know, it's Luke Masterson throw him in too. Um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, there other than Marcus Peters, it wasn't like massive names that were brought in mm-hmm. here for this for the defense in the offseason, but they were brought in specifically for a variety of reasons. And and I think their leadership and their communication are the two. And if that if those things continue to improve, I think this defense has a chance to be look, we're not gonna have the number one defense in the NFL. Right. But this is even as a chance to be a reason they win football games as opposed to what happened last year where there was a bunch of games where it was the reason they lost football games. They just need to be complimentary, right? On the defensive side of things, they need to be yeah. complimentary and be able to uh, support that offense because I think the offense has an opportunity to be really good. Real quick, I did want to ask you, if we're talking defense, i got to ask about Max Crosby. Uh, you know, there's not a stat for, for, for uh, you know, times that you cause a holding penalty, but there was a series, yeah. Jason. He caused a holding penalty. That was back up 10 yards. Then the next play was a sack. Very next play was a quick screen pass from Russell Wilson. Diablo blew up. That was all because Max Crosby wrecked the game. How much more do you think you could see from Max? Because they moved him around quite a bit in this game as well. You know, I, that was something we pointed out a couple of times on Sunday was that I, I don't remember, and, and I'm sure Pro Football Focus or somebody has this, but I don't remember how many times he lined up on the right side over the left tackle last year, but I don't remember it being a lot. Right. And there were definitely a few times on Sunday where it stood out because they were rotating, and some were with Tyree Wilson on the other side, um, some were with Malcolm Coots. Sometimes they had Byron Young on the outside. You know, so it was a mixture of things. He's got to have help, guys. Like we we talked about this all last year. Max Crosby is a one man wrecking crew. He has it with a with a rush through a def- uh, a lineman. He's able to get around guys. He's going down the line. He's t- tackling running backs from behind. He never stops. We know that though, and it's getting even better. And and it's the reason he was voted by his peers as a top twenty player. And I wouldn't be surprised when that poll comes out next year if he's voted a top ten player. You know, Max is an unbelievable young defensive lineman in this league that just does not stop, but he needs help. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, whether that is Tyree Wilson coming along and having more of an impact as, as the season goes along, I'm sure the Raiders are hopeful of that. That's why you draft a guy number seven, whether it's Byron young or Tillery having pressure from the inside, or maybe John Jenkins on plays, he's in there, whoever that is from the inside um, that would be helpful or Malcolm Coons, right? Another one of those third-year guys we were talking about who who got more opportunity this weekend. Somebody is going to have to step up and help Max if this defense is going to be as good as they need it to be because this, as, as well as the secondary played, I think at times on Sunday, particularly in the second half, if you're given get quarterbacks, like you mentioned, five, six, seven seconds to throw, mm-hmm. and then JT, you want to take it on beyond Herbert, the week after that is Jordan Love. 
Jordan Love had an unbelievable yeah, start he, on yeah. Sunday. Yep. And then Mac Jones even played pretty well after the first quarter. And then after that, you know, Jared Goff is coming up, and then we'll see what happens. You can't give those guys five and six seconds to throw. Real so, quickly. So someone has to help Max. Real quickly on Jacoby Myers, I want to get to him. He's in protocol as we host Raiders yep. roundtable. We'll see what happens with him later in the week. He had a monster game. I think Hunter could have the same game. He's had the same game many times here. Two years ago, though. So I'm wondering what's going to happen here with that slot receiver because Jimmy was dialed in, and Jacoby just looked bigger and yeah. stronger than even I saw him when he was out here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He can get open quickly, and it seems like Jimmy really likes to target him. Yeah, and, and there's communication there. Clearly those guys have a, had a rapport from mm-hmm. the offseason. Great and, point. You know, last, we talked last week uh, on the variety of radio shows, including Silver and Black Show, about – um, you know, the matchup to watch. And everyone was talking about Devontae mixed in with Patrick Sertan because of how special those two are. But I said, look, that means you're going to have the other receiver. And it was Jacoby Myers and, and he delivered. Um, it was a nasty hit, though, guys. That You know, that's why TV didn't show the replay more than once. When they show someone's head, you know, eyes roll like that, they don't show it again. So we hope he's well and we hope he's able to come back sooner rather than later. Um, but, yeah, if, if he can't play this weekend, that means there's opportunities for Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, and Christian Wilkerson. We'll see who steps up. Well, with looking at this game coming up against the Bills, we saw them lose on Monday night to the Jets. Josh Allen had a lot of turnovers, four of them. How do you think he bounces back, he and how do you bad. think the Raiders uh, defend him? He looked bad, guys. Yeah. I, I, you know, and the Jets' defense is elite. Right. You know, so that that part of it's a little bit different. They don't have one pass rusher. They have seven. <laughs> so, yeah. so um you know, and Josh Allen didn't have time, and he was making bad throws, and he was just – it was a rough night for Josh Allen. you got to think when they go home, Bill's Mafia, um, the whole thing there, knowing that they can't go to 0-2, you got to think that they're going to come out. And the key for the Raiders is how do they handle that first punch in the mouth, mm-hmm. right? Can can they withstand what all that energy and emotion and all of the, the bounce back that's going to come from the Bills? Because if they can – you get the feeling you'll be in a fourth quarter game because we were in a lot of those last year. Um, but that first 15 minutes, they're going to face a ferocious Bills team, both sides of the ball. They're going to have to handle it. As a guy who went to Syracuse, you did. I went to Geneseo. I don't have to school you on chicken wings. They're in the but same I w- school. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, listen, when you get your chicken wings, don't overthink it. Go to the anchor bar. Get them hot. Don't get them mild. You know it's blue cheese. There's never ranch. You know the program there. So play it down the middle. There will be Raider fans at the anchor bar there, I can promise you. You know I'm a weenie though, JT, right? So it's a hundred percent mild, and even if not, it might even just be like, might be barbecue sauce. And if they'll do honey mustard wings, I would even do okay. that. You know I'm a weenie. So, go. Have a good no week. Spices in my <laughs> same travels see, to Buffalo. Twelve year old. Take care, Jason. Jason Harley. See you guys. There he is, the voice of the Raiders, and again undefeated he is yeah. in Denver, which is great. When we come back, we're going to look ahead to the Buffalo Bills. See what happens. What could the game plan be? For a coach who's won a lot of games in Buffalo, Josh McDaniels has won a lot of games in Buffalo when he gets off the bus. We'll see what the Raiders have to do as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. We are wrapping it up on Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. That's Q Myers. I'm JT. Thanks again to Jason Horowitz. Look forward to getting Lincoln Kennedy back next week. Before we preview the Buffalo Bills, we want to look around the AFC West as the Raiders 
are on top of the division, 1-0. and I don't think – no one had that nationally. Nobody, nobody, nobody had that nationally. No. God, I spent the whole offseason talking about Raiders disrespect like you did. Mm-hmm. Just incredible the amount of people that talked down the Raiders, didn't give them a chance to beat Denver, and they now have won seven in a row against Denver. It's ridiculous. But Kansas City ended up losing on Thursday night. And, Q, the problem with that Thursday night game is for the losing team because you got to wait nine days to play. Right. And for Kansas City to lose that game without Travis Kelsey, they're going into Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. Duval. They're going into a really hostile environment. Now, Jacksonville hasn't been – a hostile environment, but until now. Right. Because those fans, they're going to win that division, no debate for me. And this is their biggest game of the year. It's their home opener against the world champs. Right. So I think that's going to be a tough spot as we're looking. Chris Jones has signed a one-year deal with Kansas City. He missed that game. But what do you think of the Lions and Goff, who the Raiders will see down the road? I have to give the Lions and Goff a lot of credit. I was that guy that's continued to say, I'll be late to the party on the Lions as opposed to being first to the party. But Dan Campbell's got them believing, and really they are a spitting image of their head coach and so they're going out there with the belief that they can get it done I like Jared Goff and the blue collar uh, you know style that he brings to the table and, and this this Lions team is tough man and they went into the belly of the beast and they won on banner raising night I don't know if it was the white uniforms but Detroit just looked bigger to me the what their yeah. receivers are big yeah they Raiders are, are going to play them in Detroit on Monday night and their receivers all look like tight ends. Right. Big and oversized. Big and, and physical. They are a physical football team. Yeah. I think the physicality was the difference there. You know, the the Kansas City Chiefs, how many times have you and I said, someone's got to punch Kansas City in the mouth and right. Kelsey. Kelsey didn't play in this game. I think if Kelsey did play in this game, the Kansas City wins. But look, Aaron Rodgers got hurt last night. The Jets won. Yep. Kansas City couldn't win without Kelsey. They couldn't, you know, and they put a lot of balls on the ground, and that's not normal to see from Kansas City. But then again, like you said, Travis Kelsey was not out there. So, I mean, obviously it shows how important he is and also shows you that Kansas City can be beat, right? I mean, they, they don't have their A game every single night, and they didn't have it on Thursday night. Detroit took advantage of it. Maybe the best performance. As a matter of fact, I know it was the best performance. Week one was Tua yeah. at, at the Chargers. Facts. Oh, my Facts. God. Over yeah. 400 yards. <laughs> the Cheetah over 200 yards. So the Chargers doing what the Chargers do. Every mm-hmm. year people like the Chargers to do great things out of the gate. There's always someone banged up. There's someone hurt. I think Brandon Staley's on the hot seat. That's just my opinion. No one else's. And I'll go as far to say is they better win coming up here or the Heat's going to be on the Chargers heavy here. I thought the Dolphins played an amazing game, and the Chargers' cue made some really uncharacteristic mistakes on defense with penalties that lost that game. Yeah, they did. And, you know, just they get into a shootout with the Dolphins. And as you mentioned, uh, Tua had a fantastic game. They have a ton of weapons there. I thought Kellen Moore dialed up a really good game for the Chargers, helped them score a lot of points, and including the run game. So, I mean, they're going to be a tough out, but they make mistakes, and it seems like the Chargers every single year make some kind of mistakes, even though everyone hypes them up to be the, the greatest thing coming, right? And, and we're still waiting to see it. So, I'm with you with Brandon Staley. I think he's on the hot seat, and I really think that the guy who's the offensive coordinator has an opportunity to be the next guy if Brandon Staley doesn't survive this. He could be the coach this year. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah, I agree. I Chargers agree. Have, Chargers have one of the best rosters in football. Yep. Their expectations are high, and losing that game at home, mm-hmm. uh, the Chargers here are starting 0-1. So, the Raiders are in first place and they're going to have to play the Dolphins. That's another thing I wanted to talk with you about is that we saw a lot of teams that the Raiders are going to play. We saw Indianapolis struggle, but they were in the game for a little bit. The Vikings are on the schedule. The last two games the Vikings played, they lost. They lost to the Giants in the playoffs. Then they lose to Baker Mayfield. We're going to see it, but Miami's on the schedule Mm -hmm. in South Beach, in Miami, and that's the weekend F1's out here. Right. And I was planning on going to that game. I'm staying back for (laughs) F1. I want to be around and watch all that, but... 
Miami is going to be a tough out for the Raiders because well, they can win in a shootout. And it's in South Beach, and they have a heck of a, a home field advantage just with the weather. Sure. Right at that time of the year, the way that they set this up and the way that the sun comes down, and it just really wears on players. So Miami's got a heck of an advantage at home. How great does that graphic look for it's our awesome. viewers here? Raiders 1-0, Kansas City Chargers, and Denver all 0-1. So let's roll to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. This is what's going to be our topic on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Remember, you can get it on the Raiders mobile app, yep. and you can listen in multiple ways here. I'm using the term as a fan house money. It's a Vegas term, which means the Raiders are a double-digit underdog as of now. I think that'll change a little bit by the time the game goes off. But the Raiders have nothing to lose going in there. Josh McDaniels has won many games as the coordinator for the Patriots going into Buffalo in his tenure there. I think he knows how to draw up a game plan. I'm just wondering, Q, is this going to be a heavy run game with Josh Jacobs to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hand? Or are we going to have to embrace the shootout because the Bills are going to come out with their hair on fire 0-1 in their home opener and throw it? Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a heck of a game, and that's why the the Raiders are already in West Virginia preparing, right? They didn't come back to Vegas. They made sure that they got their their jump start to get out there and prepare for this game. You know, and and I think that it could end up being a shootout. I think that's what Buffalo is going to try to do but what we saw on Monday Night Football was that Josh Allen gives you the recipe to win he's going to throw the ball he's going to trust his arm more than he probably needs to and he's also going to be the guy that's going to run the rock a lot I mean the one thing about the Bills they're a good team but they're not a physical team right and they're not going to overpower you with the run game outside of Josh Allen so if you key in on the guys digs Allen, others like that, Gabe Davis that are going to make plays, you have an opportunity to, to win this game. And I, I really feel like in week two, with the Raiders winning in week one against Denver, man, they, they can build some real good momentum if they can go into Buffalo and pick up a victory and then head back to Allegiant Stadium for their home opener. We're going to close out with a couple of the Monday night football, I would say highlights and lowlights. It was a terrible game for most of the game. Yeah. How about Aaron Rodgers coming out on 9-11 with the American flag? Yeah. That was a top moment. Look yep. at MetLife Stadium. Mm-hmm. With all the lights going off, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, was going to have a big year for the Jets. I had him in the playoffs as a wild card team. And he lasts four snaps. snaps. And I'll tell you, the first couple of snaps, he was running for his life. And I was on the radio live like you were at the time, and I said, man, if they don't protect him, he's going to get knocked out of this game. And then he gets hurt, he stands up, then he sits down again. And right at that moment, as we're watching it here— he, you could tell he knew it was serious. He knew it was bad. And, you know, that's something that was an offseason storyline, right? The the Jets' offensive line. It was, a, it was a problem. We saw it. We heard about it. And they didn't correct it. And so Aaron Rodgers goes down, and it gets confirmed today that it's a torn Achilles. He's done for the season. And just, I mean, such a deflating moment for the Jets. And they still they have that stellar defense and great run game. So they still find a way to win the game in overtime and in dramatic fashion. But, man, it's just taken all the air out of the sails of the Jets. And now they got to figure out what they're going to do as far as their quarterback position. You think Whitehead's going to get paid. He hit all of his bonuses. All his, in one game. game. Not one bad, game. huh? <laughs> uh, three interceptions in the game. And right. Josh Allen with three interceptions. And some of them were just terrible. Right. Just just terrible. And, and his fumble was just bad. I mean, it just he just fumbled. Uh, you could see McDermott on the sideline really upset by this. I look at it this way for Josh Allen. He's one of the elite quarterbacks, and he typically plays a very solid game. He's great. I, I have him in that elite category, especially now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. There's only a few quarterbacks that can do what he does. And Q, he's a violent runner. Yeah. And he's going to run, and we knew that Russell Wilson would run. We spent a lot of time right. talking about that last week. I think he's going to run more in this game because if he's a little bit skittish about his passing game with the turnovers – 
I wouldn't be surprised if he tucks and runs, and the Raiders are going to have to make sure they get to him and get him on the ground. He's not easy to get on the ground. No, not at all. I mean, guys like Jerry Tillery, guys like Max Crosby, Bilal Nichols, they're all going to be tasked with getting that guy to the ground. Tyree Wilson, the rookie, he's going to have to go out there and make some plays. They're all going to have to make an effort to make sure that they get to to the quarterback. But look, he had 17 turnovers a year ago, Mm -hmm. right? He's already got four turnovers in one game. He has the recipe out there, Raiders. Raider Nation, the recipe's there. Make him create or have turnovers. And that's what the Raiders concentrated on all offseason, mm-hmm. was finding ways to create turnovers. It's there. The blueprint's there. You just got to go execute. Okay, we think the Raiders' defense is better than last yep, year. I agreed. think we, we saw that in week one, but they got to back it up in week two. Yep. I've said on this platform that if the Raiders are going to be competitive this year and get to the playoffs, it's got to be on offense. they got to be able to put up 36, 40 if they have to. I believe this game they'll have to. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to embrace the shootout. And Buffalo doesn't have Devontae Adams, and Buffalo doesn't have Josh Jacobs. We have a couple of elite players there. And then, Q, as we wrap it up with the rest of the schedule, the opener is Sunday night against Pittsburgh at the Chargers, which is a Raiders home game. Right. There will be more Raider fans than Charger fans. Yep. And then week five, the Packers and Jordan Love come to town. So this is an interesting schedule, and the Raiders have an opportunity to start off 2-0. The Raiders have just an opportunity to start off the season on a positive note. Let's build on that. Yeah, no doubt. And they're playing AFC opponents, right? Denver, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Chargers. I mean, that right there, the AFC conference is head and tails way better than the NFC. And So if you can get out to a good start against AFC opponents and AFC West opponents, you're in a good position. All the programs that we have at Silver and Black Productions, the podcast, the videos, YouTube, everything we do, the television shows here, you can all find it at Raiders.com. For Q Myers, I'm JT. Thanks to Jason Horowitz. And we appreciate you joining us on Raiders Roundtable.